Hello, and welcome to the WDW Review Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Malk, and I'm joined once again by my co-hosts, Peter Ponacorvo and Laura Fitzpatrick. Hello, guys. Hey. hey. How's it going? Good. How are you surviving uh, the zero degrees? Working. It's cold. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal. Yeah. So, guys, getting right into it, because uh, i got to be honest, looking at social media recently... I'm motivated, and I'm almost pumped up, but honestly, I know nothing about this subject matter. So, you know, you might know a little more than me, Laura, but uh, you want to tell everyone what we're going to talk about today? Sure. Um, With all the recent um, marathon weekend down at Walt Disney World, we thought it would be fun to talk about running a Disney race or running a race in general, training for marathons and half marathons. 10Ks and even 5Ks and um, just joining in the conversation. It's awesome. Peter, what's your running experience? Uh, let's see. Cross-country team in junior high, and at that point I hung up my running shoes as much <laughs> as possible. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm pretty much the same way. We're... We're legendary ex-athletes in our own mind, but it doesn't translate too good anymore. So what we thought we would do is we'd bring on a guy that's a friend of mine, but clearly in way better shape, probably physically and mentally than us. We want to bring on a person that competes in marathons regularly, and you'll know him as well as part of the Disney community. And uh, he's my friend Joe Quattrochi. Hey, Joe, how are you? Hey, guys. How are you guys doing today? We're doing good. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Joe, help us. Educate us. We, uh, we're we watching social media, and we see posts for the Goofy. We see posts for the 5K, for the 10K, for the full marathon, the half marathon. We have no knowledge, but yet i got to be honest with you. It, it, it seems to have started a little fire in me, and yeah, I was a high school athlete. I was a college athlete, but I kind of gave that up at some point. Now I'm, I'm a pseudo-athlete that uh, golfs quite a bit. But all of a sudden, I have this interest now in starting to run again. So I figured I want to talk to somebody before I hurt myself, and uh, you're my man. I'll do the best I can to, uh, to guide you so you don't get hurt. So. Yeah, exactly. Joe, tell us your running history. Uh, I was talking to you earlier, and I'm, I'm amazed at how much you've completed already. Well, I've been running, I don't want to say competitively, but I've taken it a little to the liking of it for a little over three years, three and a half years. And the reason why I started running was... Um, not that I'm proud to admit this, but I was close to a two pack a day smoker for a long time, uh, like through my college years and past that. And I did eventually quit, which was great, but I did put on a little bit of weight and did not become happy with myself for the first time I'd actually reached, uh, like 200 pounds. And for me that, that was, I was heavy. I, I just wasn't happy with myself, not being a gym guy or anything like that. I was like, well, let me just start running. I need to lose the weight here. Um, so I started running and being like you guys, and if you're listening to this podcast, we're all friends of Walt Disney World. When I was little, I always said, I'm like, well, it'd be really cool to run a marathon one day. And for some reason, one day, just sitting at work, uh, about to go off for like a mile run, um, it clicked. I was like, I want to run the Disney marathon. And I started to do some research about it, you know, just, just basic Google search, and I realized, you know, the sign up date had already passed. So I eventually had set a date. Uh, for 2014, I was like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run a marathon. And essentially, that's how it got started. And, you know, I, I started with a plan. I started with some local 5Ks and 10Ks and and then eventually were, uh, ran a few half marathons locally and eventually trained up to uh, my first full marathon, which took place uh, in Walt Disney World in 2014. Uh, and to this date, I've completed, I think, probably 15 or 16 half marathons. And I've done four full marathons, uh, you know, number of 5Ks and 10Ks, uh, but I've done one one Dopey Challenge. I did that in 2015, and I did the Dumbo Double Dare out in Disneyland uh, also in 2015 as well. So that's kind of how I got into the running thing, uh, and it's kind of addicting. After you start, uh, after you start getting into it, uh, you start meeting new friends and, and people, familiar faces, and just the, the running community itself is so supportive of, of each other. Um, it just becomes fun. Um, it's, as crazy as that sounds, to, running is fun. 
uh, as a 35-year-old, for me, I'd rather go out and run a few miles than sit in a gym all day. It's just my personal preference. But that's essentially how I got started. It was all from putting on some weight, not feeling good about myself, and just starting slow and working my way up. And and uh, this past year, I just uh, ran uh, my fourth marathon. was the New York City Marathon, and I ran it in four hours and... Run four hours and thirty-one minutes, which was a personal best for me. Wow! Um, so yeah, so that's a little bit about my running background. Uh, Joe, I'm amazed. So you were just sitting around, you weren't feeling too good about yourself. You put on weight, and you had no prior running, running like experience, not in high school, no cross country, no track. You just decided one day, that's it. I'm gonna, just gonna go out for a job. Now, in, in high school, I, I played soccer and I played golf, and I also played golf in college. Obviously, golf is not a physically enduring sport, uh, but no, I um, I just decided like I'm just gonna go out and do it. Uh, I just I saw the guys, you know, at the local gym by my house, and I had friends who worked out, and I went with them a few times, but it just I just didn't like it. It just wasn't for me. Um, now, gym training is good for runners. I mean, please don't. If anybody's a new runner, cross training and doing strength training, if, as you get into the running, does improve your running down the road. But for me, in the beginning, I just I just said this is the best course of exercise, and I just that's why I started running. I'm like, this is easy. I could do it. Bought a pair of shoes and out the door I went. That's that's amazing. Did did it have the desired effect? Did you drop the weight after you started? Oh running? yeah, it, it took some time, and it, it was a lifestyle change. Um, Besides just running, you know, I had to change the way I, I ate. And, you know, once you get more and more into running longer distances, um, you got to fuel your body a certain way. Um, when you're going out and running six, eight, ten miles or, or longer, you know, when I'm training for a marathon, you need to put certain fuels in your body and omit certain things. And that's what helps you drop a little bit of the weight as well. So um, it, it was a little bit of between a change of lifestyle and also, you know, obviously – burning more calories than you're putting in. That's amazing. Pete, there's hope for you and me. Well, right? Maybe for you. <laughs> and I, I've put, and on, I've, expert. I've put on the weight, but I haven't come to that point where it's like, I want to go run. I, I've, well, I quit the smoking. I put on the weight. I just haven't hit that I want to go run part yet. Yeah. Well, I'm running, at, running, running at Disney will definitely help. But no I... That was that is a good spot for the, my first question is how do you, Joe? How do you pick your shoes? Like I know there's there's so many different brands and prices go from, you know, you can walk into Famous Footwear and get a pair for fifty bucks. You can walk into, you know, there's a place in Chicago called uh, Fleet Feet, and you can walk in there and spend two hundred and fifty bucks on a pair of running shoes. How do you know which ones are right? It's funny you said Fleet Feet because Fleet Feet. Uh, in Montclair, New Jersey is actually where I get my shoes from. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm a researcher. When I get into something, I like to do a lot of research. I will Google everything possible on, on the web, YouTube video it. Um, and from the people I've talked to, one of the best things that I did when I got into running was I joined a local running club. And speaking from experienced runners uh, that belong to the club and been running for years, they advised me to get a pair of shoes that was fit by somebody who was knowledgeable about it. And at the store by me, um, they do what is called like a gait analysis. And that's essentially mm-hmm. they look at your foot and how your foot, if you pronate or underpronate or overpronate, if you're neutral. And uh, it's just all about how your foot hits the ground. And it's they will give you they will give you a shoes to try on that were designed for the type of uh, actually how you run. So instead of you just going into a store and looking at what looks cool or what's in your price range or what's the best looking color, they will actually give you a pair of shoes that actually will function properly. So now obviously everybody's you know financial situation is different. When you go to a local shoe store that specializes in running, the shoes are much more expensive. Um, you know you can get a pair of shoes on sale for fifty bucks at a local sports authority or Dick Sporting Goods, but when you're going to go to a local running store, they are going to run $100 and above. So it all, it, everybody's financial situation is different, but the way I did it was is you know, I started running in with what I had, and then when I got you know the higher, a little bit of a higher mileage, I went and got fitted, and it's made all the difference in the world. Um, I would never buy, as a runner, another pair of shoes by myself without consulting somebody who um, I still get checked every time. You know, sometimes your running patterns change, you know, or there's something that, 
you know, a shoe company might have changed something in a shoe that I wore a previous version. I'm always checking with somebody because the last thing you want to do is be in an improper shoe and get hurt, and then that doesn't do anybody any good. Joe, that's an awesome tip. I, you know, I actually have been fit for a pair of shoes, um, but I've never thought about actually getting refit every time I buy a new shoe. I buy the same gel Nimbus from Asics every time. Um, that's, that's great advice. I never even thought I about it. I mean, if a have... shoe works for you, I mean, I, by all means, stay with it. What I do sometimes, I'll buy a few pairs. If there's a certain shoe that, like right now, I'm in a Saucony uh, uh, Triumph, uh, ISO Triumph 10, I believe it is. And uh, I have a couple pairs of those right now, but I will change it up and have somebody look at me at the same time. So I do buy a couple pairs. It's something I do like, but I also do every time I want to change maybe up something, I will have somebody look at me because the last thing I do is try something different without being looked at, and then all of a sudden you get hurt. Did they fit you by making you run on a treadmill, or was it just a visual inspection of your foot? I've, I've had it done both ways. Um, the store that I go to locally, they don't have a treadmill, um, so they actually will uh, go outside on a sidewalk and just kind of crouch down and look at you. However, I've been to other stores, uh, larger chain specialty running stores that do have the treadmill with the camera. So I've, I've had it done both ways, and I've been equally... Um, I've had equal success either way. Hmm. Laura, you've got a race coming up. Have you been... Were your shoes fit for you, or um, did you just buy... You're implying that I have shoes, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't put that much thought into it, so I'm going to use that information and get going on that probably this weekend. Another piece of advice, and every runner will tell you this, is don't ever choose shoes based on color. I did that once. It was a big mistake. Hmm. So I, you can, I'll run in a pair of pink shoes if they fit right and they feel good on my feet. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, I did that a couple of years ago. <laughs> hmm. So. All right. So past the shoes. So we've got essentially, let's call us three beginners here, Joe. Hmm. What are some tips we can do to get into it? Well, give us give us your best tips. Well, being in, in such a litigious society as we are in, no offense to the lawyers out there, always consult a doctor first. Never start any kind of program before speaking to your doctor to make sure that you know you're healthy and you're you're able to do that. Um, but besides that, I would say do some research. Um, don't go into it blindly. Do some research. Get 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 onto a plan. I like structure, so for me, I run you know three or four days a week. But you know, do some research. Um, so you know what you're doing, what to do, what to not do. Um, I mean, you could Google stuff on Runner's World where they'll say, you know, beginner's running tips, and they'll give you things that you know a beginner runner should do and shouldn't do. What I also would suggest, too, is if you, if you like it, you know, join the local running club. Google a local running club. Find one that's online. Um, we're all Disney fans here. There are a couple running clubs, and I'm going to plug them here. Uh, I belong to both of them. One is the BOGP Lizards, so with Mike Rawman and Mike Bankhead, the BR Guest Podcast Lizards. There's another uh, podcast with uh, Mike Scopa and Michelle Scribner-McClain, the Mickey Miles Podcast. You could join these running clubs. It doesn't cost anything. Um, and the, the online support is fantastic. If you have questions about something, you could go and ask questions to other runners, and people will answer them. Um, runners always support other runners. Um, Nobody's out. Nobody's cutthroat. Everybody just wants to see everybody have a good time and succeed in what you know their individual goals are. Um, also, what I would do is if you're getting into the running, you know, sign up for a race. Sign up for a local 5K. Uh, give you give yourself a goal. It's like studying for a test. Have something to prepare yourself for. And a 5K is fun. You could run, walk it. You could take. You know, you could tackle it however you feel. You know, you're able to do it. But, you know, sign up for a race down the road and give yourself a goal. It's something to be proud of when you're done with it. Those are just a few things. Uh, the races keep me going. If I don't have a race schedule, I almost feel like I'm lost a little bit. So I always have something in, in the hopper. But that's what I would suggest is do some research, possibly join a running club, um, you know, get, get involved with other runners, and possibly sign up for a local 5K and, and start from there and, and, and see if you even like it. You might, you might not like it, and this might not be for you. It's not for everybody. But um, that's where I would start as a, as a beginner. Hmm. Did you follow the Jeff Galloway method from Run Disney when you started? I, I actually didn't. Um, the reason why I didn't is um, I did join a local running club, and I was guided by some people that um, that were more experienced runners, and I uh, I actually followed originally a, a Hal Higdon plan. Um but the Jeff Galloway method, uh, a lot of people I know use it. 
My wife has actually used it. She ran the half marathon with me last year, and we ran a run-walk Jeff Galloway method uh, for her last year, and that's what she trained with because um, she's not really a runner. So the Galloway method is provided by Run Disney on their website free of charge. Um, so you can go ahead and download that. It's for beginners. It's very easy to uh, read and understand uh, and to follow along. So if somebody is not a runner, um, I would suggest even starting with that. Um, and also That's too, what they, I used to train yeah. with the Tower of Terror in 2012. You, you use it, huh? I did, Laura? yeah. What's 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 the basis of that? Uh, I, I heard it was like a run walk type. That's program. basically it's a run walk method, and I did a modified version. I wasn't okay. with my training and my weight. I wasn't able to keep up with it the way I wanted to, so I just modified it for me. And I ended up doing the Tower of Terror. I did walk three, run one, the whole way through, except for the last mile. I ran the whole last mile, but um, yeah, it worked for me training wise. It kept me going. Um, I was able to work my way up gradually to get the pacing where I needed to be and everything. So I recommend it. I'm, I'm going to do that again when I start training here. Did you feel like at any time during the training, like this was going to be too much? Or did you feel, you know, I had heard a long time ago at a DVC, like one of those Welcome Home Wednesdays, they actually had him there once. And I remember him echoing something about, I guarantee you won't get hurt if you follow my method. But I haven't researched it to know that that is in fact the case was that is that one of the things they're touting yeah i would i would say i mean the way i was doing it like i said was run or walk three run one so mm -hmm. you're able to you know catch your breath and work on your pacing and everything like that so i okay. felt good about it cool are you signed up for anything at uh, at disney now joe right now i'm not um before the show i was telling you guys i was supposed to run um the 10k and a half this year um, i decided to take the full off because i just finished new york city so i wanted to give my body a little bit of a break uh, but i had to defer because uh my wife and i are moving houses so it came at kind of the possible worst uh time but right now i'm not the good news is is that uh we're relocating to the central florida area uh so it will be easier for me and for her if she decides to run with me uh to run more races so i'm targeting right now Walt Disney World Marathon Week is a definite for next year. I've already deferred our entries for that, and I like to—I'd uh, like to run the Princess next year as well. I like to be—I uh, like to be Princess Joseph for the uh, or Princess <laughs> Joe for the, for the race and, 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 and run with uh, ten or fifteen thousand women. But um, right now, I'm, I'm targeting uh, because of the move. It's such a crazy year. Um, just next January, um, as you guys know, with the with these races, I'm sure Laura knows, you got to sign up right when they open up. Yep. So a lot of them have already kind of full for the year. If I could squeeze in wine and dine at the end of the year this year, that'd be great. Uh, in a perfect world, we'll see. Uh, but if not, I'm definitely eyeing at least January weekend. Um, it killed me not to be there this weekend. I mean, I followed everybody on social media, and it absolutely killed me not to be there. It looked like a, a blast besides the rain on Friday. But uh, uh, that's, what, that's what I'm targeting right now. It's definitely January, maybe wine and dine in the fall, but we'll see. I got two questions. Tell me what defer means, and how big of a house are you going to have when you move? <laughs> well, it'll, if you're if you're asking if you want to stay, there will be room for you, Chris, so, or awesome. if you guys want to come down. Um, defer means is that um, we were not able to um, make the race um, because of whatever reason, um, and defer means is you apply to run Disney saying, I can't make these following races, and essentially they grant you a credit for what you paid into it. Uh, unfortunately, though, with Run Disney, it's a business. We all know that. Um, they do charge $55 per race to defer. Um, so for me to defer three races, you know, do the math. Um, but we already paid into it, so I was like, you know what? I got the credits for next year. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Um, so I have a, co a special code for next year when the uh, registration opens. I'll enter that code when registration opens, and I will have – you know, essentially already paid for my race fee. Now, if it goes up in price, they have to pay the difference, but um, oh. it's essentially it's a credit for the following year. So you don't lose out completely on everything that uh, you paid into. And Joe, would that guarantee you a spot in next year's as well? I, they say it's not a guarantee. Um, I think, though, and I, uh, if, if other people have deferred, they might be screaming at the podcast. I haven't done it yet. But I have to 
reread the email, but I believe it's done ahead. I think you could register maybe ahead of time before it opens to the general public. I'm not 100% sure, but they always say it's not a guarantee. Uh, but if you register right when it opens up, I don't believe it'll be a problem. Do you have to use it at the exact same Run Disney race one year from then? Or are you allowed to choose any of the races featured at Walt Disney World, you know, such as the Princess or the Wine and Dine or the Star Wars? You're going to make me look up my email, though, because I don't know the answer. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm just curious, because I could, I could see that as a realistic scenario. You know, people get sick. You know, we come from the north here, and, you know, we, I was just down there just recently, and my three-year-old, I'm lucky we had the vacation we did, because, you know, she was sick most of the time, so I, I could see that as realistic. So, I'm, I'm, believe it or not, I'm actually looking at my email right now as we speak here. Um, okay, it says acceptable deferrals, and it says for my race, it's only good for um, the Walt Disney World Marathon weekend. So it does not okay. say uh, it can, I can use it for other um, other races. Okay. All right. So you've got. Me and Pete in training, and we're ready to do it, and we're running 15, 17 miles without a problem. <laughs> so you've done this before, so where do you stay, and, 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 and what do you do, and what goes on at the marathon weekend? Where to stay. I'm a big on-site property guy. Uh, I'm a DVC owner. Um, I have stayed um, for marathon weekend once on-site and once off-site. Um, it all depends on what kind of weekend you're looking to do. If you're going to be doing the dopey, you're going to be up four mornings, you know, at, at 2 a.m. for four races. I would suggest staying on property. It's just easier just to get on a bus, just head over to Epcot. You know, when you're done, the buses are right there to pick you up to take you back. That's me personally. Um, I've done the off-site thing where you drive in. And like I said, everybody's financial situation is different. Um, some people have timeshares that are off property, and that's where they stay, and that's completely fine. You just have to, you know, prepare for the road closures if you're going to be driving in Epcot and so on and so forth. But I would, I would preferably to stay on property. As for resorts, if you're going to have family members come and watch you, if you were to pick a resort, now in a perfect world, if we had, all had an unlimited budget, I would suggest either any of the Epcot resorts, you know, Yacht and Beach Club, Boardwalk are great. Uh, mainly for the reasons that um, the 5K and uh, the 5K and 10K, I believe the 10K runs through that area of the boardwalk, so you can go and act, your family members can just head out of the hotel and watch you run by. Um, if you're going to be running the half or full marathons, if you can, if you could swing it to stay at a deluxe on the monorail line, there's multiple spots you can see somebody run by. Um, if you're staying at the Contemporary, Grand Floridian, or Polynesian, uh, but. Regardless, if you can stay on property as a start, I would definitely stay on property. But uh, my favorites uh, would be any of the Epcot resorts or if you could swing um, any of the, the deluxes over uh, by the Magic Kingdom would be a home run as well. Okay. One of so my heard... I... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. One of my clients ran the Dopey this weekend, and she did a split stay at the Beach Club and the Poly. So that was helpful for her. And, and the, the, the great thing about the deluxe resorts is, you know, the monorail service, when it is working, uh, going to Epcot in the morning, you can actually not even have to take a bus. You can just hop on the monorail and take that to Epcot for the starts. Now, for your family members as well, for an example, just say somebody was staying at the, the Poly or the Contemporary. Uh, if they're running the half or the full marathon, those races run through the Magic Kingdom area. They could they could easily see you once or twice if they don't go into the Magic Kingdom. They could see you mile five by the TTC or or out by out in front of the Contemporary, and then they could run across, you know, take the monorail and go over to the Grand Floridian and see you as you're running by after exiting the Magic Kingdom, and then they could hop on a monorail and go to Epcot for the finish. I mean, there hmm. are there are multiple, you know, just being in that monorail line definitely gives you a lot easier options even as a spectator than as if you were just to because Walt Disney World is not the easiest place to spectate a, a race it, it, it really isn't uh, compared to like New York City or somewhere like that believe it or not right. but because um, you know your options are limited with the buses a lot of the roads are closed um, but just kind of bringing that up if you can be in the you know Magic Kingdom area staying at those resorts like your client did staying at the Poly it does make it easier um, having that monorail access Joe, I've heard people throw the term around of a host resort. 
What is the difference between a host resort and a non-host resort? I think back in the day they used to, or not back in the day, I think a few years ago, they, they used to designate certain resorts as host resorts where those resorts, you would have to stay at those resorts in order to have bus service to the races. Now I believe the the, the events are so big. I believe every hotel is a host resort. I, I, I don't I think, think there's a... I think most of the races are that way. I For some reason, I have a feeling, I think Wine and Dine last year, you still had host resorts. And I know Expedition Everest, I know that it's discontinued now. They were were limited as well. But I know for like the marathon weekends, like Princess and the full marathon weekends. um, Right. Yeah, I believe everyone was a host resort. But you're probably right. um, Open. You can stay anywhere for the Star Wars one coming up in April. I think think it's probably just easier just to make them all. I mean, the, the races are so crowded right now. I'm struggling with a 2 a.m. wake-up call for four days in a row. <laughs> That's the hardest part, everybody says. That sounds brutal. <laughs> so tell me, when you're down there, let's say you just paid to enter the the marathon. What would your training be like when everyone's doing the 5K, 10K, and half? Or would a person almost do those anyways as a regular method of training? Do you ramp up, or are you taking it easy prior to the marathon? Or, or, or what, what, do you, what do you do? Prepare for the. Mar- are, are you talking about if you're just running the marathon on Sunday? Yeah, yeah. If you're just running the marathon, if you're just running the twenty six point two. I mean, the key is, and any runner will tell you, is to try to. I mean, it's hard when you go to Disney not to stay off, not to stay off your feet. You know, everybody wants to go to the parks and and do what we do. We we go down there to have a good time. My suggestion is that if you were running the marathon, for me, the way I used to do it was, is I like to stay after the race. So I'll go down one or two days beforehand. I'll go to the expo. I'll pick up my packet, uh, settle in, because um, you don't want to run after flying right away. Um, I'll try to stay off my feet as much as possible, uh, because the last thing you want to do is to train for four months or five months and then be on your feet, be you know, abuse your legs for two days walking around the parks, and then all of that training goes down the you know goes down the drain, and you have a bad day. I mean, you're down there to run the race. Get the race out of the way and then go and have a good time. For an example, the uh, last year when I did Dopey, um, I arrived there on Tuesday afternoon. And obviously Thursday is the start of the 5K. Um, I did a little bit of too much park time Wednesday and Thursday. And by Friday, I did the 10K and my feet were absolutely killing me. Um, so I actually, believe it or not, I was staying at Port Orleans French Quarter that year. I actually stayed home that day at the resort after I ran a 10K and walked down to the pool area. You know, it was a little chilly still and just sat in a hot tub and soaked my feet and stayed off my feet completely that day. And it made a huge difference. So that's the one piece of advice I can give to all runners out there is if you're running a full marathon, you know, stay off your feet. Give your feet and your legs a break. Because I felt like a new person on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, but Friday, I was in a lot. I was in a lot of pain. I think my Fitbit said I wore it the whole time I was there, from Tuesday, and we left. We were there from Tuesday to Tuesday. Um, I actually left Monday night. Excuse me. Um, I put 125 miles on my legs. That's including the running the races and walking in the parks. Oh my gosh! Uh, yes, I was. I, my feet were shot, <laughs> to say the ah. least. So that's my best piece of advice would be to if you're running a marathon. Stay off your feet, stay off your legs as much as you can, as, as hard as it's going to be, um, until you run a race, and then after that, just go ahead and do what you got to do. Man, 125 miles. That's For one week, that's astounding. It was. So, craziness. Um, when you're there, are you eating normal? Are you trying to enjoy the Disney food, or are you on a specific diet preparing for the marathon? Well, I'm on a specific diet, but, I mean, it's not like I don't, enjoy food when i'm there um essentially like when you're when you're when you're uh, joe how many how many dole whips a day are you eating this i'm a natural guy actually so <laughs> <laughs> i will not i will actually treat myself to one after race i'm pretty strict i i get very um uh, what's the word i'm looking for uh you know i don't like to change anything until the race is done um, but I will have a citrus roll or two when I am done, but I, I will make, we do make our ADR reservations. We still go out to eat. Um, I will 
carbo load a little bit, um, but I do eat at certain times because we are waking up so early in the morning. Um, but I will still go out to eat. I just won't eat all the junk until I'm done with all my races. So I won't be having the Mickey bars at 2 o'clock in the afternoon uh, or citrus swirls at 3 o'clock in the afternoon or drinking a lot of beer. I'll, dr- I'll drink after I'm done, uh, and I'll eat a lot essentially junk when I'm done. I just am very superstitious to what I'm looking for. I stay the same. Um, you know, I eat protein. I eat uh, not non-fried foods, essentially all the stuff that you did while you were training. Your race should be no different than any other training day. Uh, so you're putting the same fuel in your body. Um, so it does take a little bit of planning being down in Florida. Like, you know, I, I have a subscription to touring plans. I go and look at all the menus. I'm like plugging everybody's businesses tonight, by the way. But <laughs> You know what? It's all good. We listen to them too. But, so. and, and, and I did book with the Magic for Less uh, when I did do the dopey. But... Uh, I, you know, I will search the menus uh, on touring plans and find out what certain restaurants have. And, you know, I'll eat a lot of, like, you know, some proteins, some, some carbohydrates, but I will stay away from, you know, the fried foods, the burgers, the chicken fingers, and stuff like that. So I will look ahead, and I will make my ADRs accordingly. Um, hmm. So that's how I plan my meals down there. And just drink a ton of water. I just drink water after water after water. It's You can't drink enough water when you're down in Florida. Dick, it's expensive down at the parks. You know, I actually, I just, I have one of those little Brita water bottles, and as as everybody says, you know, the water doesn't taste the best out of the fountains, I, it has the little filter on top, and I just kind of fill up in the water fountains, and for the most part, it's not bad. I just kind of grin and bear it, but yeah, it can get ex, it can get expensive, but being DVC owners, we will stock up our, uh, our fridge with a, a case of water, so we'll try to bring in as many of those as well. Hmm. That's, that's a good tip. Hey, there's something I always wanted to know. Um... How do you eat when you're running? I, I, I see people talking about, you know, the power bar gels and, and all that stuff. I, I, I never got that. It, do you actually slow down? Do you walk? Do you stop? How do you consume when you're running? Well, when you're, tra- when you're doing your long runs and you're training, if you are training, for example, for a, a marathon or even a half marathon, usually every 40 or 45 minutes you have to find what works for you. For me, it's every 40 minutes. Um, there are different gels and chews out there. Um, that will give you electrolytes and other kind of nutrients that um, that will give that you, your body needs as you're depleting, uh, you know, all of the fuel from your, all the fuel from your body. Um, so for me, I, I use uh, I go between the Cliff Chalk Blocks and uh, Power Bar makes some some gummies. Um, and what I usually do is every 40 minutes, I will usually take those gels uh, or gummies when I go to a water station. And the way I go is I always walk through water stations. Um, I I feel that, you know, running through them, I'm not gaining much time. I'm not a marathon runner, uh, Olympic marathon runner. Mm-hmm. So the five or six seconds it takes me to walk through a water station and so I don't spill everything all over myself, mm-hmm. uh, it's actually more helpful than hurtful. So I will usually take my shoes or gels at that time and just the water will help uh, push it down. But they're just little little packets of, of gummies and you take a few at a time and it you know, helps your body replenish a lot of the things that it's losing as you're, as you're working out. Um, so I, some people will run and eat them. I, I walk when I take them, but when you're training, you get used to doing that. So when it's race day, it's no different than when you're out on your 10 or 12 mile or 20 mile run at back at home. That would be something that would be like the, like one of the biggest challenges and hurdles in my mind. I'm just not used to eating like that. Um, very familiar with cliff bars and power bars, but as far as eating it while I'm actually trying to exert myself, that would take some time to get used to that for sure. Well, these are like these are like gels, so they they kind of slide down easy. So it's not like you're eating mm. like a like a granola bar or something like that. So it, it's not as bad as you would think. It takes a little bit getting used to the 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 flavors. Some people really like them. Some people don't like the taste of it. You just gotta find something that you could you could bear and that your that, that agrees with your body and just stick with it. Cool. And, and Chris, with uh, I know for a fact the shot blocks, some of them are caffeinated for those early morning runs too, so it'll help wake you up while you're running. <laughs> he said every 40 minutes. He didn't say every four minutes. I'd need them every four minutes. That'd be a problem. I think. No, you can take it before you start. There's no rule against that. <laughs> All right. And I think, because with my job, I've done a number of medical standbys for some of the, the, the Chicago Marathon prep runs like they're doing 20 miles you know cliff bar is out there and you know a bunch of the other companies that are in the running industry and you know we struck up a conversation with one of the cliff bar guys one year and he was showing us 
some of the, I think one of the, the tropical punch, I think was one of them where it was like every serving was with uh, a half a cup or a cup of coffee. Ca- okay. Caffeine wise. Wow. Interesting. Dangerous, you know? Yeah, they get so, caffeinated water out there nowadays too. Joe, so, you know what, you've been great, and I appreciate you even coming on and sharing this with us. Walk me through the morning, so marathon morning is here, and you're up at 2 o'clock, and so walk me through that morning until the race starts. That, that, that always fascinates me, because we see the photos, people are snapping selfies, and it's pitch dark, and there's fireworks, and there's DJs, but you look at the timestamp, and it's like 4.47 a.m., so walk me through that morning, that's really fascinating. Well, the, the the marathon, the marathon, the half marathon, and the 10K all start at 5:30. Now this is just marathon, um, marathon weekend. A lot of the other Run Disney weekends, like Princess, I believe they all start the same time as well. Uh, Tower, except um, I know um, Wine and Dine, is, Wine night. and Dine, and Tower Terror, Ten Miler are night races. Um, but for just getting back to you know January re- weekend, um, so I would get up at 2 a.m. Um, you know. Not to sound graphic, but try to use the restroom, you know, try to get into your morning routine, you know, uh, get dressed. Uh, the biggest thing is I lay out all of my clothes, all of my gear the night before as well. So everything is all laid out for me. My watches, my GPS watch is charged. Um, so all my clothes are laid out. I get up. For me, I use the restroom. I'll shower, get, get ready. Um, I will catch the first bus possible from my resort. Um, I got that advice from the Mickey Miles podcast. Those guys over there who have run many more races than me um, have always stressed that, you know, don't wait for the later buses. Always take the first bus possible. So I will try to get the first bus. It's usually about 3 o'clock or 3.15, somewhere around there. Um, So I will get dressed. To me, I don't eat a lot before I run. I will maybe take a small little bit of a plain bagel or nothing on it and just kind of eat a little bit of that just to get something in my stomach but i'll eat that while i get on the bus the bus will take us over to epcot you know you go through you get dropped off you go through security check they check your bags you know for security reasons um and then you get to the holding area and that's where the fun really starts you know they have a dj there they have the giant you know video screens um if you're part of a running club or a running team like the like I said, the Mickey Milers or the BOGP Lizards, for example, they will always have on social media like group photos before each race. People will get to know each other through social media, so they'll say hi and they'll ask everybody's weekend is, and everybody's just kind of hanging out, having a good time. The DJ's great. It's kind of weird. It's being like three thirty in the morning, four o'clock, and the DJ spinning music like it's ten thirty, eleven o'clock at <laughs> night. Um, but it's a lot of fun. But usually I'll get there. If there's some friends that I know that are there, I'll go and say hello. But what I stress before is for me, I sit down. I find a spot that, you know, if it's, you know, try to find a spot I can sit down, like a bench. If not, uh, area of ground where I can, you know, lean my back against, stay off my feet. Um, if you need to check a bag, um, after after sitting for a while, you know, they'll call each of you, uh, each person to the uh, group to their corral. So, each, uh, I believe for the marathon, there's corrals A through probably P or Q. I don't know where it, where it ends. But based on your running time that you submitted, um, they put the faster runners up front in the A corral and the slower runners all the way in the back corral. Um, and, and they will call you know, corrals A through C and so on and so forth. So when they call your corral, you go through, you check your bag if you need to, and then you start walking down this, this road. It's about, it's probably a good half mile. It's backstage at Epcot. You kind of walk behind Future World, I guess that would be East. It would be the test track uh, mission uh, space side of, test, of uh, Future World. But you walk down this back access road to Epcot Center Drive, and that's where all the corrals are. And you just there's volunteers there that will check you into your corral. They check your bib to make sure you're in the correct spot. And you kind of just sit there and wait, and everybody's excited. And... Uh, you know, people will talk to each other, and you know if you do a if you do a dopey challenge, you, believe it or not, you will see some of the same people every morning, and you strike up a conversation with them. Um, but it's great; you just kind of hang out, relax, and then before you know it, uh, you know the fireworks are going off, and, and you're running. I mean, so it's uh, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, it goes really quick uh, while you're waiting, but um, it's pretty cool to have fireworks at 5:30. It gives you goosebumps if it's your first Run Disney event. 
I know for me, even being my first marathon, when I saw those fireworks going off, I was like, okay, you know, I was in the believe the e, the d the d corral, and I was like, this is this is happening. I'm really gonna do this, and it just gives you goosebumps, and, and you, you take off. So that's kind of a typical morning, very quick, you know, in a nutshell. But um, next thing you know, it, your your race is done, and it's all that training for for that. I could imagine the adrenaline is probably pumping so fast at that point. You probably feel like unreal at that point when the fireworks are going. Oh off. yeah, and then. There's not a huge – when you start an Epcot Center drive, now this is for the half marathon and the full. The 5K and 10K courses for January are a little bit different. They have, there's different routes. But there's not a ton of people watching at the start. If they are, they're all the way in the woods on the left-hand side, the edges of the parking lot. So it's hard to see people. But when you when you come down you know, World Drive and you go through the Magic Kingdom Tall Plaza and you hit the TTC, that's when you really start seeing the crowds build. I mean, I had to slow myself down. I looked at my watch, and I was like, man, I'm running like a seven-minute pace. This is not good. I need to slow this down. <laughs> my adrenaline was just pumping. I mean, I'm like, I got like another like 20 miles to go. So, um, yeah, definitely, you definitely need to keep yourself in check, slow yourself down, because it does get really exciting when you start seeing the resorts and start seeing spectators, and hmm. it's, just, it's a lot of fun. Do you stop for pictures with uh, characters and whatnot at that point? I, my first year, I did. When I ran the marathon, I, I was fortunate enough that I was, in the, I was in a front corral, so I was with a lot of more serious runners. And I'm not saying I'm super serious, but I guess just where I happened to fall that day. And I did, there was very little lines for any of the characters that um, were out on the course. Now, I know if you're in a further back corral, there's a lot more run walkers or just walkers in general. The lines do get longer for the characters. But for myself, uh, the first year I ran, I stopped at pretty much every character. But I, I got the professional photos from uh, Marathon Photo. I did not have them take, because I don't run with my cell phone. So I did not have any cell phone uh, pictures taken with the characters. But I did stop. And if you're going to run a lot of the races, you might not stop every time. But I would suggest getting at least stopping once, because looking back on those photos now, the pictures in front of the castle, pictures... Like I said, I'm a golfer. Pictures with you know golfing Goofy and golfing Donald when you're running by the Palm and Magnolia course uh, with the with the Mickey Mouse golf cart are just they're pretty cool. They're pretty cool to look back on, um, you know, a couple years later. So I would definitely suggest stopping. Um, it's all part of the experience as well. I mean, it's the only race in the world that you can stop and have your picture taken with characters. So you're not gonna get that even in a New York City marathon. Well, you can stop and take pictures of the characters. You can. It's, it's, a, it's a wrong kind of character. It's not the same, exactly. I don't know about you guys, but in all seriousness, that you know, you you couldn't be more motivating. You know, I have the desire to go out right now and uh, figure out how many miles I can run right now. Let's go, Chris. Chris it's eight degrees outside. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. In May. <laughs> it's 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 something every Disney fan should at least try. If, if they're if they're into it, I mean, it's it's a really it, it will it will become addicting. You will run one weekend and be like, wow, this is cool. You'll do a five k, be like, man, I want I want to try to move to 10k, you know. And then the next, you know, there's another race weekend. You're like, oh, maybe I'll try the half marathon, you know. And it's just you'll realize that like there are people of all abilities that do these races. Not everybody who runs the Walt Disney World Marathon weekend is like a, is a Boston Marathon qualifier. There's people that are regular. People just out there run walking or just walking the whole thing. I mean, just out there having a good time and just being out there just to be out there. You know, I think it's great. And it doesn't matter if you're the first one across the finish line or the last one. Everybody gets the same medal. You can say you're, you've are you completed the race, and you'll always have those memories that nobody can ever take away from that. You accomplished something, that you did your first 5K in Disney. I mean, for me, I tell people that everybody knows I'm a huge Disney nut. That I did my first you know marathon at Walt Disney World. I think it's pretty cool. Awesome. What do you what What do you guys think, Pete, Laura? Should we get our families to go down with us and do this as a group in the future? Well, my husband booked with me to do it in April with the 10K, so <laughs> he still hasn't committed fully. I was like, well, we paid for it. We're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, you in? Uh, it's, I think I'm still one of the cheerleaders on this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> We'll work on him, Joe. They're, they're some of the most important people are the cheerleaders too, so don't don't sell yourself short there. Or, or, or better yet, maybe I can uh, convince Free Creek to let me volunteer for the day, and I'll work with 
with Jeff Armstrong use my my uh, professional ah, yeah, skills yeah. instead yeah, of go. maybe needing my professional skills for myself. And those and, yeah. and the, the Reedy Creek guys are, are fantastic. Um, if if you run the the half or the full, um, they have a great display uh, behind the Magic Kingdom. When you're uh, you exit behind Splash Mountain and you you get on Grand Floridian Way, um, and they have a one of their their stations is back there, and they have the ladder truck out with the American flag. And as you're running, they have a bunch of signs uh, giving facts about all the emergency services and what they do at Walt Disney World. And it's pretty cool. And as somebody who is is you know, my father was a volunteer fireman for for 25 years in our town. I grew up around that stuff, and I just find it's pretty cool. Uh, and the guys, they're out there cheering you know, with their bunker pants on, you know, just like anybody else, and they're really supportive of uh, those guys as well. So um, if you run the half or full, you will see them out there. Yeah, those guys are great guys. I, I, I know a couple of them. So. Oh, sweet. Joe, thank you, my friend, for coming on and sharing that with us today. We would have very limited knowledge, so we knew we needed an expert. So I appreciate you spending time with uh, us. Thank you guys so much for, for having me. I mean, it's it's uh, your podcast is great, you know, and uh, I'm glad I could, you know, be a part of it and contribute to it. Maybe I could help somebody else out there, you know, get motivated and get started and discover uh, the Run Disney uh, community because it's, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Hey, before we go, you know what? I was talking to Peter uh, about something earlier, and Pete, you wanted to share something with us. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, for the fifth time, I'm going to be participating in a local St. Baldrick's event. And for those of you that don't know what that is, St. Baldrick's is a charitable foundation dedicated to helping fund children's cancer research. And they have awarded over $178 million in, in grants since 2005. And in 2015 alone, over $23 million. Uh, an event with them is pretty... It's, it's, a, it's a big St. Patrick's Day party for a really good cause. Um, as a show of solidarity with children, the cancer, and going through cancer treatment, participants, or what they call shavies, uh, literally end up going bald to show some solidarity with, the, with these kids that are going through chemo and losing their hair. So for the fifth time, again, I will be shaving my hair off. And um, this is kind of a, a thing I enjoy doing. I've done it, like I said, this is my fifth year. I've personally raised over $2,000 doing this uh, to date. Um, pretty close to 2500 right now. <clears throat> And there have been nearly 400,000 people have done this since the inception of the foundation. So what I'd like to do is ask anybody that's listening if you can donate. It's a great cause. It's completely, you know, tax deductible. They're a 401c3 charitable foundation. They're rated by the Better Business Bureau. This is a legitimate thing. Out of every dollar they get, over 77% goes towards funding these kids cancer research um out of that that dollar latest said 77.4 percent go to the grants 18.9 percent goes to fundraising you know shirts print materials sent to the to participants and volunteers less than four percent is is spent towards administration they legitimately are, are putting good money into trying to find cures for pediatric cancer, which is one of the least funded cancer areas around. Um, if you can donate to my, to my page, great. If you want to become a Shavy yourself, outstanding. If you want to just volunteer, outstanding. If you're a hairdresser or a barber, they're always looking for people to help do that. Like I said, they've had over 400,000 people shave their heads in, in the 15 years, 16 years they've been in existence. So please, if you can donate, um, you can donate at my page, stbaldricks.org slash participants, and just look up my name, Peter Pontecorvo. Um, 
And, you know, Chris, I know I, I hit you up to see if you'd be willing to, to do it. And I, I saw you earlier today. You are already clean shaven. So I guess I, can, <laughs> I may let you off the hook this time. I don't know. Uh, Laura, I'm going to say it. Out of the 400,000, over 51,000 of the participants have been women. Just saying. I will be happy to donate to your cause, monetarily. Okay. <laughs> I, I'll take that. But it, it, one other thing, in the couple of the three minutes or so that I've been talking about this, another child somewhere in the world has been diagnosed with cancer. Every three minutes, there's another child on that list. This is what I... I try to do to help keep that next one from getting put on the list. Any help that I can get from you guys or our listeners would mean the world to me. So, again, stbaldericks.org and just look up my name and please, whatever you can do would mean a lot to me personally. Pete, that's awesome. It sounds like a wonderful, uh, wonderful cause. That's awesome. Hey guys, on uh, on that note, you know what? We're just trying to do something bigger than ourselves and something to improve the world. So, Pete, again, that's awesome. You know, you got my support. You got Laura's support. So, you got my support Thank too. You very much. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate that. No problem. All right, guys. So, for myself, for Peter, for Laura, for Joe. We appreciate you listening to us. We know you can listen to a lot of podcasts, and we appreciate you spending time with us. So, again, we thank you for that. We hope you enjoy the show. Uh, that's all I've got, guys. So, for everyone else, uh, good night, guys. So long, everybody. See you. Good night.